Thanks for joining me for this slightly out of our normal order podcast episode. This upcoming Sunday at the Anchor Fellowship here in Colorado Springs, after our first four months as an independent fellowship, we're going to gather for what I'm calling the town hall, where we're going to come together, have some food, and talk about the spirit, kind of the internals of what it would have been like if we had been plopped right down into the middle of a first century fellowship. And the reason that we're doing this is because we are a small kind of building from the ground up little gathering. I really want us to start off on the right foot where we are not just sitting there, listening to a talk, listening to worship, participating a little bit, and then going home satisfied that something has been, oh, it was pretty good. No, the early church, in fact, would have had no idea what we were doing most of the time on Sundays, because to them, it was their family. It was the family of God. These were their brothers and sisters. And so anything that needed doing, anyone might have been doing it. So I want to share with you a little of the heart of what I'm going to speak about this Sunday. I'm not going to go into all the specifics and logistics of our groups that are going to be serving, but I just want to offer up a flavor, especially for those of you who in Colorado Springs weren't able to make it this Sunday, February 5th, 2023. So let me paint a little picture for you. I want you to imagine a woman who somehow or another comes into an interest in the Lord God of heaven. And we're not talking about Jesus yet. We're talking about someone who has had an experience because they've been told of, of, of Yahweh, the, 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 the God who the Jews had worshipped, and grew interested. Now, importantly, this woman does not live in the nation of Israel. She lives all the way over in Macedonia in a town called Philippi. So somehow or another, perhaps another Jewish believer had come to her and gotten to know her and said, I think you should know the God of the, of the heavens and the earth. And so she grew interested. So out of her hunger, she hears of an, a, a gathering, a gathering that's actually outside of the city, down by the river. And, and it's, it's a prayer gathering. And it happens on what these Jewish people call the Sabbath. So she goes. And interestingly, it's almost entirely women. And they come together each Sabbath with great reverence and respect. And in this beautiful spot alongside the river, they bow their heads and they speak to the God of heaven. Well, this goes for this woman for many months, which then become years. And so now, out of her expectancy and her joy to draw near to God, there has, yes, become a bit of routine. She's used to this now. Until one particular day. The sun is sort of at a one-quarter position in the sky. The waters are moving along through the river course. And as she and these women are together, suddenly they look over and there are Two men and a teenage boy walking toward them. And the first of the men, kind of leading the way, walks right up, greets them, and says, I'm so pleased to meet you, those who are interested in the Lord God here in Philippi. But may I speak to you of something wonderful. 
Well, this woman and the other women say, well, yes, please, you're a fellow believer, speak to us of the Lord God. And so this man, whose name is Paul, begins to speak and he speaks, yes, of this father God that these women have been talking to, but so wildly of his son, Jesus, from Nazareth in Galilee who has come, who has become incarnate, who has walked among us, who many of our brothers and sisters got to live with and be with and walk the earth with. And amazingly, that son of God chose to die, to die for us, to take upon us like the lamb of the Passover, our sin. But he did not stay dead. He rose from the dead. He walked out of a tomb. Our friends saw him. They heard from him. For 40 days he was amongst us. And then he ascended. And he took his seat at the right hand of the Father. And there he is. We may speak to him now. Jesus. And even as this woman, her name is Lydia, even as she listens to these words, something begins to happen inside her. It's like a fire. It starts with this sense of almost like kindling, crackling with this warmth. And then it continues to grow to where she senses that the love of that very Jesus is calling to her heart. She runs back into the city. She gathers her husband and her children. She brings them back out. And she says to Paul, all of us would speak with you. We would know what it is you speak of. And Paul speaks it to them. They all believe. They ask what to do. And he says, let us baptize you right here in the river. And they go down into the water and they are baptized. They have an inward experience of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And Lydia with overawed excitement and joy at this new life taking residence in her says, oh, Paul, Silas, Timothy, come stay with us. Be our guests. Well, one day, not so many days later, the three of those men, again, Paul, Silas, and the young Timothy, they go out and they're going out to pray. But then an hour or so later, only Timothy returns. And in his train is a young girl, just a teenager. And she tells her story of the fact that she was a servant girl who was spoken over by this man who had this dark spirit. And the next thing she knew, she would be overcome by a sensation of what was to come. And she would speak by this now dark spirit that had taken residence in her. And she would speak things and her owners would take on money for it until today. You see, today she was going to the central marketplace to give uh, fortune tellings and to speak of what was to come when she saw Paul, Silas, Timothy following along behind. And she began to mock and to scoff by that dark spirit and say, oh, look at these men. They have come to bring the word of God. Listen to them, everyone. Until out of seeming annoyance, that lead man, Paul, turns and says, be gone from her. And suddenly, all at once, she felt free. She felt overwhelmed from the inside out by love, 
the love she now knows from talking to Timothy of Jesus. And so Timothy says to Lydia, well, from there, there was an uproar. Her owners went and got the magistrates. They got some of the soldiers and Paul and Silas were taken away. I heard that they would be beaten, put into prison. They sent me back with this young woman because Lydia, they said you would know what to do. Well, the very next morning, in the late morning, Lydia is standing at one of her windows and looks out. And here they come, Paul and Silas. And they walk through the door, followed by a Roman and his wife and their children. And well, Paul and Silas's clothes, their cloaks have stains of blood on them. And Lydia has to ask, what happened? And Paul and Silas smile and they say, well, we were beaten. They fastened us in the stocks in the inner jail. But, you know, as we got there, we couldn't help but thinking we have so much time on our hands tonight. Why not worship? And so at midnight, we were worshiping and we were singing of Jesus and how wonderful he is. And suddenly the entire prison began to quake as if with an earthquake. And the doors of our cell opened out and our chains fell off. And in fact, all the prisoners' doors opened and their chains fell off. And this gentleman, I should introduce him, he was our jailer. He came running in threatening suicide. But we said, no, we're all still here. And that man, this man, <laughs> he fell on his knees and said, what must I do to be saved? And we told him the same thing we told you, Lydia. Believe in Jesus, be baptized, repent, and you will be set free. So now we'd love for you, Lydia, and you, I never caught your name yesterday. You were possessed. We were able to set you free in the spirit of Jesus. We wanted to introduce all of you to each other. And by the way, Lydia, you and these, you are now the Fellowship of Philippi. So we're about to go, but we need you to operate together as the body of our Lord Jesus here in this town. And we may or may not see you ever again. To which Lydia, fresh to this faith, has to have responded, okay. But Paul, what precisely should that mean? Paul thinks for a moment. Hmm. Well, Lydia... Every healthy fellowship that I've seen has had a few things in common. They talk constantly to Jesus. They talk constantly about Jesus. They are led individually and corporately only by the Holy Spirit. They're filled more and more with love for everyone. They are simple and yet practical. They make sure that everyone plays a part. They are oh, constantly together. They can't stop worshiping Jesus. And they serve everyone everywhere. So Lydia, my friends, be like that and you'll be fine. And with that, Paul, Silas, and Timothy leave Philippi. Well, something like 10 or 12 years later, a letter comes. It's brought by a courier 
And it comes to this now, let's say, 10- or 12-year-old fellowship in Philippi. You and I know that letter as Philippians. And I want you to listen to part of the opening in chapter 1. Paul writes to that fellowship, I thank God for you Christians at Philippi whenever I think of you. My constant prayers for you are a real joy. For they bring back to my mind how we have worked together for the gospel from the earliest days until now. I feel sure that the one who has begun his good work in you will go on developing it until the day of Jesus Christ. It is only natural that I should feel like this about you all. You are very dear to me. So my friends... Listeners, and especially to those of you who are part of the Anchor Fellowship, here we are in our Anchor sort of early Lydia days, not really knowing what we're doing, but having high hopes that, who knows, in a few years, perhaps we could receive a word like that from Paul sent to us, to our fellowship. So how do we go in this particular fellowship about four months in, how do we go from there to gaining vision for that kind of future? Well, I have kind of three answers. My first answer, it starts with all of us individually. It's our own daily experience of Jesus that will not only strengthen our own hearts, but also make the anchor a a place that is vibrant, a, a vibrant community of his heart. So we all need to be seeking him out there, out on our own, before we ever come back together. Secondly, we all have to find his call for our highest usefulness. In Ephesians 4, Paul denominates the five main roles within the body of Christ by which, as he says, we will reach a unity of belief and a deep, true knowledge of Jesus. So what are those five main roles? I'm sure you know. Here they are. Apostles. And I would say the apostles are like pioneers. They are sent wherever Jesus sends them to act as heralds of Jesus and of his kingdom. Then comes prophets. This is people whose lips are unreservedly his, who he uniquely speaks through to continue giving his word out. Then there are evangelists, those whose highest purpose is the calling in of the lost, who live and breathe the gospel and its message and its power. Then the shepherds or pastors. These are those who pastor hearts who lie awake at night because of their great love for their brothers and sisters in the Lord. And lastly, teachers, those who delight to make the scriptures more plain, uh, to take others deep into the richnesses of the word of God. So that's what is often called the fivefold offices of the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. So friends, I would say all of us If the body of Christ is to be what it's meant to be, we must investigate these callings. We must ask the Lord where he has most naturally spiritually gifted us, and then we must go all in on our gifting. And I'll be a little bold. If you never do this, you will have wasted your life. 
And then lastly, my third answer, after individual pursuit of Jesus for ourselves, after seeking out and being answered as to our highest spiritual calling comes, frankly, going for it, serving. We must in simple, consistent, call them nuts and bolts, week by week, regular, practical ways, find the places we can serve our fellowship and then serve. Because friends, if, quote, church is a performative space, just like a set of actors on stage with an audience deciding if it's a good or bad performance, we're doing it wrong. The point of our gathering is to remind ourselves, he's alive, to experience that he's alive, and then carry out his aliveness into the week ahead. The point of all this is growing in the love of Jesus, both unto him and unto each other. That's the reason we come together at all. So, if we want to go from that sort of like fresh-faced, we have no idea what we're doing, sort of like early, what I'm calling Lydia days of our fellowship, if we want to go from there to the place where Paul is just gushing with praise of how we've sort of found our feet, then I believe that each and every day, we must each pursue abiding in Jesus on our own, on behalf of the fellowship. Secondly, we must pay attention to our gifting so that we can begin to serve in the apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher continuum. And lastly, finding these places of joy together, we must simply serve. We must give away as we've been given to. So how's that sound? Doesn't it sound refreshing to think of ourselves in first century Philippi and then gain vision for this 21st century that we're inhabiting? Let's go do it. Let's go on that journey with Jesus. Thanks for listening.